Good morning. Good morning. We complete our Be Rich series today, and uh, we're going to come to the point where we have a chance to give into our Be Rich offering. I've loved seeing the photos on the screen as we've been listening and going for our service this morning. And to me, those photos that we've taken in the foyer over this series show that we, as a church family, are different, but yet we're together. And really, the power of Be Rich is when each of us, wherever we come from, we come together and we make a difference. And we've looked at how we make a difference when we're rich with um, our love, when we're being rich with our service. And today, we're going to look at when we're rich with our generosity. What does it mean to be generous? I looked up a few ideas about this this week, and I was like, oh, no, what, what does generous really mean? And these are some of the ones that resonated with me. The first said this, to be generous is to have a willingness to give help and support, especially more than is usual or expected. In other words, generosity is kind of going above and beyond. Another said, generosity is a quality that's a lot like unselfishness. Someone showing generosity is happy to give time, money, food, or kindness to people in need. In other words, generosity takes the lens from our self and puts it to others. Another said generosity is being liberal or having a readiness in giving. And I like this, it's a freedom from meanness. Generosity causes us to look out. And to me, this resonated because I think, when I think of generosity, I think that generosity is about being open-handed rather than closed-fisted. Generosity makes a difference. We've seen in Jade's interview, generosity makes a difference. But that doesn't mean it's always easy. That doesn't mean it always comes naturally. Let me share a little from my life, because if I'm honest, when I look at myself, generosity doesn't come particularly naturally to me. I mean, I've said this before, but I'm a northerner. Northerners and generosity don't go. That's a generalization. Maybe maybe I'm a bit hard on myself, because actually, if I think about it, if I dig a little deeper, when it comes to giving people time, actually, yeah, maybe I've find that more natural. When it comes to speaking generous words, okay, maybe, maybe that does come more naturally to me. But when I think about generosity of possessions and wealth and riches, I'm being honest, that for me in my walk with Jesus has always been something that I've had to grow in. It hasn't come naturally to me. You see, there's a difference between stewardship and generosity. And I would still live by the principle of good stewardship. That what I have, I need to use well. So I live by a principle that I like value for money. Who else likes value for money? You know, if something's, um, if I can buy something for 50 pence cheaper than somewhere else, I'm going to that shop. <laughs> I like value for money. I like to spend what I have on things or people, actually, who really matter to me. So I wouldn't say I'm frivolous. I 
have grown up with a like financial management system that says you only buy what you can afford. Who's with me? Where are the savers in the house? You know, and actually, I don't like waste. That's, in my eyes, that's good stewardship. But sometimes that approach to good stewardship and, and being wise and being sensible can, can jump over to my approach to giving and cause me to go, oh, should I be generous? Should I do that? Should I? Rather than being open-handed. It can cause me to be close-fisted. You know, in, our, um, in the times we live in, all of us have probably had to think a little bit more about how we steward what we have. Compared to this time last year, many of us have had to consider how much the heating on is on and how, what level the thermostat is on, yes? And my approach to stewardship that wants to be sensible and wise and know, we can prov- know I can provide all the time has tipped over occasionally a little bit to the extreme when it comes to the thermostat. And this is an ongoing joke in our office. I think it's sensible, but maybe I went to the extreme a little when I got the meat out of the freezer in the morning and left it on the side, and when I got home to cook it in the evening, it was still frozen. Or maybe I went to the extreme when um, Vicky's parents came. They said, we'll look after the kids. We'll babysit so you guys can go out. And we had a lovely meal and we came home. And I found her parents in our lounge with their coats and scarves on, sat under blankets. All right, you can have an extra degree. Sometimes my approach to wanting to steward things well can cause me to hold and hoard and keep rather than live generously. There's a fine line. But like any qualities or virtues or fruit that we want to grow in our life, I believe that generosity doesn't just happen overnight. We don't just suddenly become generous. We need to grow in it. We need to grow in generosity. Some of us probably need to grow in being generous with our time. Some of us maybe need to grow in how we use our words and being generous with what we say to people. Some of us, like me, need to grow in being generous with what we have, with our riches and our wealth, with our extra. Why? Generosity is good, and generosity is of God. And the reason that I know I have to grow in generosity, even though I know it does not always come easy to me, The reason I know I have to grow in it is because before anything else, I have been the recipient of extravagant generosity from God himself. And so when we talk about giving and being generous, we're actually talking about being fruitful disciples of Jesus. Because as we give, as we step into generosity, we become more like the God who we follow. The biggest reason is because God first gave I'm only here today because God has generously, extravagantly given himself to the world and to me. He gave Jesus his only son so that I, so that you can be forgiven. That is extravagant generosity. Before I've given anything, he's given everything. I believe we have to be generous because he's called me his child. 
That's generosity. He's given me hope. That's generosity. He's lifted me from rubbish and sin and ruin and destruction and given me an identity as a child of God. That is generosity. He's given his life so that I may have life. That is generosity. Jesus gave everything. That is extravagant generosity. And that is our starting point. Whenever we talk of generosity of any kind, he first gave. And in the Bible, in 1 John, there's a verse that talks about this. It says, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? In, any way, in, in other words, because he first gave, we are supposed to give. We're not supposed to be closed-fisted. We're supposed to be open-handed. And this is something I have had to grow in my walk with Jesus. I'm being honest before you today. It's something that's had to grow in my life to the point where now I know that generosity is not always easy, but it's part of my walk with Jesus. And I end that sentence with a comma rather than a full stop. Not that you end a sentence with a comma, anyway. Um, Because it's ongoing. I haven't reached the pinnacle of generosity. I haven't made it. I am now generous. No, it's ongoing. I have to continually grow and show generosity. And I believe as I do, as we do, we point people to Jesus. So I try and live by this example. Generosity is a way of living that is open-handed even when the budget is tight. It's open-handed even when the thermostat is lower than last year. God has shown me generosity, and I've chosen to receive that generosity, but I'm now commanded to show that generosity. Over the last few weeks, we've been in a passage of scripture in 1 Timothy, um, and Paul the Apostle speaks to this younger leader, Timothy, about his generosity, about what he should do, but also tells him to speak to the wider people, to the people of God, about what they should do and how they should live their lives. And he says to the people, command those who are rich in this present world. And we've heard how, in comparison to the majority of the world, we are rich. Not to be arrogant and not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. You know, the command here, and it's a command, is really clear. I don't think we can get away from it. The command to hope in God rather than wealth, which is uncertain, is clear. The command to do good, to be rich, to willingly share, is clear. So why is Paul, through Timothy, passing this to the people of God and to us? Why, why this advice? Why hope in God and not in wealth? Because I believe the pull of wealth, the pull of possessions, the pull of riches, the desire to build up and keep and hoard and build our own kingdoms is such a strong part of our human nature. So generosity is the antidote to selfishness 
and meanness. Wealth can become the object of our worship. And God says, no, put your hope in me. And in fact, through the Bible, when we talk about, when we read about wealth and possessions and um, riches, so often, more often than not, it's in a negative sense. In fact, Jesus, when he spoke about riches, he said this in Mark 6, no one can serve two masters, for either he'll hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and not the other. You cannot serve God and money. In Mark 10, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? In Luke 12, he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. In other words, we're called to be generous, not closed-fisted, but open-handed. And you know what? I believe that as we take our attention and our gaze away from wealth, which is so uncertain, we start to look up and we start to look out. And as we look up, we find and we know and we can testify that generosity springs from hoping in God. Earlier in that passage of scripture, Paul speaks to Timothy and he warns him as well. He said, says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. So Paul says, that's the reality. And he says to Timothy, but you, man of God, flee from this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith love, endurance, and gentleness. Timothy, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame. And then he goes on to command the people to be rich with what they have. We are called, no, commanded to be rich, to be generous, to flee from wealth, which would seek to become the object of our worship, to cling to God and to pursue righteousness. And as we do, we find, I believe, that generosity is the fruit of righteousness and godliness. The other thing that jumped out of this passage for me, time and time again, was that Paul speaks to Timothy as an individual. So Timothy has a choice. Will I do that? Will I pursue the things of God? Will I live a life of generosity? But then Timothy is charged to speak to the whole body. And command them to be rich. In other words, I believe generosity holds a personal challenge to each one of us. But actually holds great effectiveness when we come together. Because I believe extravagant generosity will be seen when we, the body of Christ, come together. And that is why over this series, we've been heading towards our offering today. And we've been encouraging the church to 100% participation. And we kind of set an aim of £10 to say, come on, let's all get in this together. Let's be generous together. I love a quote by Mother Teresa. And she said, um, we ourselves feel that we are, what we're doing is just a drop in the ocean. In other words, when you're on your own, it can feel just like a drop in the ocean. But if that drop was not in the ocean, I think the ocean would be less because 
of the missing drop. You might think my bit is nothing. But together, we can make a difference that we could not make on our own. I wonder, have you ever been the recipient of generosity? Has any of you received maybe the generosity of someone else's time? Maybe you've been going through a time in your life and there's been someone there to listen to you, someone who took the time to hear you, someone who took the time to have a coffee with you and let you cry on their shoulder. Have you been the recipient of that kind of generosity? I have, and do you know what? I think it makes you feel a few things. I think it makes you feel loved. I think it makes you feel valued. I think it makes you feel cared for. I wonder, have you ever been the recipient of financial generosity? When someone's given you a financial gift. In our lives, we've had a few times where this has happened. Um, Before we got married, I remember I was at Bible college and I was writing an assignment. And it was the week before the assignment was due, the, the following week. And I was writing it and then my printer broke. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do? And I, I found a printer. And I can vividly remember how much that printer was. It was an Epson and it was £36. And as I was telling this story this morning, I was like, why didn't I ask someone else to print it out for me? Anyway, <laughs> but it was £36 for a new printer. And it was £36 that I did not have. I went to church on the Sunday And a lady came to me and gave me an envelope. And in that envelope was 36 pounds. And I was like, whoa. Okay. And then later in our marriage, um, Vicky and I had an unexpected financial need. And it was in the hundreds. We didn't have the money. We prayed. We did not have the money. And to be honest, we prayed that kind of prayer that says, we should probably pray. You know, it wasn't full of faith. Um, and I can't say this happened immediately, but we came home from work one day and there was an envelope on our doormat and in that had 500 pounds. And that money covered this need, this unexpected need in our lives. And do you know, when we were the recipients of those generous moments of someone else's riches, do you know what it made us feel? Yes, it made us feel loved. Cared for, absolutely, valued, definitely, appreciated, for sure. But it made us feel something else. Because someone else had felt God say to them something. Give John 36 pounds. Really? I, not 40? <laughs> and they'd sat before God. They'd felt the Spirit of God work in their heart. And then they had a choice, right? Do I keep it to myself or do I live open-handed? And in that situation, they'd taken a step of obedience to God and said, no, I'm going to give it. And they'd be generous with what they had and they gave. So not only did we feel loved and valued and cared for, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that in those moments in my life, and there's multiple of them, it has told me, that absolutely God provides. God provides in the big. He gave his son, but he also provides in the detail, in the little, in the everyday. Those moments have said to me, God, 
is faithful. God does provide. You know, we've spoken a lot about the challenges of our day, about the world we live in. And the world is in a challenging time, right? It's a year on since um, the conflict in Ukraine started. The world is in crisis. There is lots and lots of need. We've prayed for Turkey and Syria this morning. There is lots of need. And even if you zoom in closer, you'll have seen the vital signs in the foyer over this series. And they tell you about Milton Keynes. And there's some great things about Milton Keynes. But those signs also tell you about some of the need in our city. The real need. About people who are living with stuff that perhaps they'd never had to deal with before. About, the, can I say it, the crisis that we have in our city, which isn't specific to Milton Keynes, but it's seen and experienced and felt in towns and cities across our nation and our world. We live in a challenging time. Inflation, interest rates. We live in a challenging time. Gas and electric. We live in a time when people are struggling. Over the series, our contributors have shared, and they've inspired us, haven't they? But also they've pointed out that there is need. But I believe, church, against the background of this need, against the background of crisis, our role as the church is to step in and to step up and say, hey, even though we are going through this, we are here. The church of Jesus is here for Milton Keynes. We are here because we believe that generosity makes a difference. We believe that even when things hopeless feel hopeless, that Jesus can bring hope. Even when you trust in things that are uncertain, he says, trust in me because I'm certain. We, the church, when things seem dark, when, we, when people are living in darkness, I believe we are called to shine even brighter. In fact, Jesus would say to you and I today, as he said to his disciples in Matthew 5, he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Be open-handed, not closed-fisted. In the same way, and that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Church, we're the light of the world. We're called to shine and we're called to shine brightly. So a world sees the people of God not hidden away and hoarding up, but extravagantly generous, shining brightly and willingly sharing. In a minute, we're going to watch a video about some of the need specifically in Milton Keynes. And then Fuller's going to share about how our Be Rich offering this year is going to shine brightly to help the need and the crisis in our city. But my prayer is this, that not only will the recipients of this Be Rich offering this year feel loved, cared for, valued and appreciated, but they would have a moment in their story when they go, but there's something more. Because this gift, this offering tells me that not only all of that, but that God somehow provided for me, for us, for our situation. Wouldn't that be amazing? Church, we're called to be generous. Let's be rich. We set £10 as an aim, but we want to say, give what you can. Be generous. Maybe you can't give £10. Be generous with what you have. We've asked for 100% participation. But let me tell you this. 100% of what comes in is going to go out to those in need. Together, we can make a difference. 
that individually we could not. Together we can shine brightly. Together we can point people to Jesus. Together we can show the world extravagant love, extravagant service, and extravagant generosity. So today as we give, let's give generously.